Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson. Just wanted to thank you for checking out the podcast here on YouTube. If you haven't already, please support our show. The fastest and easiest way to do so, just hit the subscribe button. It's free. And you might also want to hit the notifications bell so you're notified when new files are uploaded here to YouTube. The cool thing about this channel, we're not only uploading the entire episodes, we're also going to let you check out little bite-sized clips if you want to share it with the wrestling fan in your life. And we'd love to help you save some money. That's what I do by day. Um, hey, hey, it's Conrad on Twitter. You can also find me at savewithconrad.com and I'd be proud to help your family save some money with my family. It really is that simple. We're licensed in more than 40 states and if you're a homeowner, it's not a matter of if we can save you money, it's a matter of how much. We routinely help our podcast listeners save five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month and I'm talking to you if you've got credit card debt, we can help you get rid of it just like that. You don't need perfect credit either. Even credit scores in the 500s can be approved and it's free to find out how much money you can save. It really is no cost, no obligation. And since we're licensed in more than 40 states, why wouldn't you do this? Maybe you're in a 30 year loan. If you are, you're overpaying your single biggest bill. We've recently helped some of our podcast listeners save more than $100,000 worth of unnecessary interest. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at savewithconrad.com. And thanks for listening to the podcast here on YouTube. Hey guys, it's the hardcore legend Mick Foley here. And I need to call a quick timeout, a brief timeout, because I wanted to tell your listeners what I have been telling Foley is pod listeners for a while now about all the cool things happening over on adfreeshows.com. We kick off 2023 by going back to 1983 and the debut of the NWA U.S. Heavyweight Championship, commonly referred to as the 10 Pounds of Silver, on an all-new edition of Title Chase. Over time, it was just kind of worn out, and then uh, Magnum T.A. told me himself that he finally just polished some of the rest of it out because it just had some, just some little bit in the corners or whatever that uh, had hung on, and so he just finished the job. Our book series continues, and this time we turn to Jim Crockett Promotions. Conrad and David Crockett dive into Jim Crockett Jr.'s handwritten booking logs from January 1985. So tell us exactly what we're looking at here, the Red Books. All right, the Red Books, I have to tell you, are basically, and I'll hold one up, this is a calendar for a book for 1985. Yep. All right, in it, I'm just going to turn, pull a page. Handwritten, uh, the matches, and also the gross of the city, towns that we're in, the matchups. And this is the Bible. It was started with my father. On January 24th, Adfree Shows is bringing you another premium watch-along event as we celebrate the 35-year anniversary of the very first Royal Rumble. And we're watching it live with the winner of that historic match, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh, hey folks, I'm WWE Hall of Famer Hacksaw Jim Duggan from the golden age of wrestling. And I'm celebrating the 35th anniversary of my win in the first ever Royal Rumble by watching this Royal Rumble on adfreeshows.com. Join me January 24th at 9 p.m. adfreeshows.com. Tough guy, first ever winner. Ho! That's just a small taste, a sampling, if you will, of what we have waiting for you with four levels to choose from. Four. See for yourself why ad-free shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now, right now, 
at adfreeshows.com. Yeah. Welcome to something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Well, you know. Hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Y'all hear any interesting news this week? Anything uh, noteworthy happening in wrestling or WWE land? Maybe there were some rumors that went around this week. You hear any juicy ones? Well, as you might imagine, Bruce is pretty busy this week, so we're going to be doing a best of. And who better to spotlight? Who better to focus on than Stephanie McMahon? I don't know that any of us really imagined when this week started that Stephanie would be stepping away from WWE, but I, for one, am uh, anxious to see what's next for WWE and for Stephanie, for that matter. She's been such a big part of WWE for so long. I think the first time I remember ever seeing anything Stephanie related uh, was the old merchandise catalogs for the WWE back in the day. And then, of course, uh, once I became friends with Bruce, he pointed out that In one of those early SummerSlam packages that opened the pay-per-view, maybe it was 89, uh, the little girl jumping in the pool, Stephanie McMahon, how about that? Uh, Of course, we know that she went on to to be a big part of the storylines when the Undertaker kidnapped her and where to Stephanie and all of the other nonsense that has happened uh, on camera, whether it was the McMahon-Helmsley era or just a handful of years ago, the whole authority thing. Stephanie's been a big part of WWE programming for a long, long time. So to see her step away from WWE business, meaning I guess we're not going to see her at these big business conferences or the big charitable things, or maybe she really is sort of leaving it in her rearview mirror. Uh, there's a lot of questions and I'll be honest, I don't have the answers, but what I do know is I'm grateful that we got to see Stephanie as an on-camera performer. No matter what you thought of some of the creative decisions or the rumor and innuendo that surrounded, you know, wrestling politics and what have you, nobody who ever met Stephanie didn't like Stephanie. I personally have seen Stephanie go out of her way to be over the top, uh, to just regular folk, man. And you know, sometimes, uh, what's that old cliche? Never meet your heroes. Well, I'm not here to say that Stephanie McMahon was necessarily my hero, but I think some of us have met a celebrity or quote unquote famous person and had a less than experience. Nobody ever had a less than experience with Stephanie McMahon. And, uh, listen, man, I, I don't think any of us would be listening to this podcast without her family's contributions to wrestling and the WWF. So I'm pumped to see what's next for her and her family. And I know that things have been a little weird lately. Uh, I don't know what's next, but I know that today we're going to celebrate and highlight uh, the great career in WWE that is Stephanie McMahon through Bruce's own words in older episodes of something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Just so you know, we do plan to uh, block off some time this weekend. Of course, we plan to record this week as well. Uh, but whenever we get an opportunity to uh, go ahead and click record, we'll be sure to get ahead of your way. Of course, you get all these shows early and ad free over at adfreeshows.com. But with that in mind, let's let the good times roll. And celebrate some of the great moments from something to wrestle featuring Stephanie McMahon. She was around the McMahon household as you're over there booking and working in Vince's dining room and out by the pool. She's a constant there. Is she not? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, 
you got you got the kids after school, at least on on her part. She was always around, and then uh, went to college, went to Boston, but she would always come back. Not every weekend, but at least once a month she would come back. But she was always around and always worked the summers in the office, uh, whether it was in marketing as an intern or the TV studio as an assistant, whatever it was, she was just a constant. Any fun uh, Stephanie McMahon stories as a ute? (laughs) Um, As a ute, God. I think that the funniest one that she used to tell was when she graduated from high school, we all got invited to her graduation party dinner, whatever the hell it was. Cause Pat and I had to go to everything and we got there and I, we had been working all week and I didn't know what, what do you get an 18 year old girl that has everything for graduation? So I deferred to Louis Dondero, who was Pat Patterson's, um, significant other and I said, Louie was going to go and get her something for the party. And I said, Louie, would you mind getting something uh, for me to give her? And he said, sure, don't worry about it. So he gets it all wrapped and has a card and everything for me. And I give it to her. And I, ne- I forgot to ask, what did I get her? He said, <laughs> oh, I got so she opens it and she looks at it. And she goes, oh, wow, this is just beautiful, Bruce. Thank you so much. And I'm looking at it. And I'm like, what the hell is it? And it was an ankle bracelet. And oh, I'm like, that just sounds kind of creepy to me. And sure enough, she said to me later, she goes, she goes, I don't know. Um, she goes, I really, this very sweet gift, but it's kind of weird coming from Uncle Bruce, you know, this, this ankle bracelet. Well, confession time. I said, I had Louie get it. She goes, okay, that makes more sense. So she felt she felt better once she knew Louie picked it out for her and everything. But Vince and I, man, when she was in high school, we used to go to her high school basketball games and we would sit in the stands in the bleachers with our books and we would book and write TV and stuff until Stephanie got on the court and played. And then we'd look up and watch her play and then go back to working. And that's where you guys came up with ideas like uh, Shinja and Duke, the dumpster Drosse and teal hopper right no 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 we came up better shit than that i'm sure knuckleball no. schwartz abe knuckleball schwartz i'm sure yeah. that was thought of at, at a fucking sporting event yeah well, what, what type of a sports dad was vince mcmahon i feel like he's having a meltdown on the sidelines no he was he was one of those that was very reserved and he would watch and he would he would quietly cheer her on, but he wasn't what you would expect. Come on, Stephanie, get in there! God damn it, nail her! Get that bitch! Hey, hey, ref, that's a fucking foul! No, he was much more reserved than that. You just gotta say it under his breath. That was a goddamn foul. She ought to fucking foul that bitch. <laughs> Elbow her in the titty. Oh, what? Oh my gosh! What was he? Get a grass, damn it! Did he understand basketball? More than I did. <laughs> I don't you know that. They bounced the ball around. They threw it in the circle on the board at the end of the court. I just know you don't know shit about real sports. And 
you know, he famously, and we talked about this in the archives, his favorite football players were Wahoo McDaniel and Ernie Ladd, which is just hysterical to me. So let's talk about when she starts working with the company full time after graduation, does she start sitting in on meetings or how does Vince introduce her into the fold? What are her roles? What do you remember about her coming up there? And were you a little nervous about there being another McMahon there? And when we know how that story ends, chat me up. Well, during this time, I was a lot more on the talent relation end of things and I wasn't doing as much creative. I definitely remember though, Stephanie coming in and Vince having her sit in on creative and try to learn every aspect of the business. And contrary to popular belief, from my knowledge, the first person to suggest Stephanie being on camera was goddamn Jim Cornette. He said, what the fuck is this goddamn big titty Demi Moore looking fucking bitch doing walking around the goddamn house? We don't have her on camera. And Cornette thought that she would be perfect and thought she was, you know, she was good looking put her ass on TV. She's a McMahon exploit the name. And so it was Jim Cornette. The first time I ever heard it. And I said, man, that's going to be a going to be one. You're going to have to get past, uh, the old man and the salted in the shell. Shane salted in the shell. We're just a traveling nut house. Vince is the head cashew and Bobby Heenan used to refer to Shane as salted in the shell. Wow. So she's in, and working in the backstage area, what's a typical day like with Stephanie when she's first there? Is she working more with a certain section of the show? No, she was, she would have a headset on. She was learning production. So she was shadowing Vince and she was sitting in on whatever meetings there were, whether they be creative production meetings and trying to learn everything that she could about television and about the creative process. But you, if you, she was like a fly on the wall. She's very, very quiet and didn't say a whole lot, man. She just sat there, listened and took a lot of notes. Now, after the fact, after the meetings, a lot of times she would take us off to the side and ask us questions about what took place in the meeting. Give me an Why did you say this? Why'd you do that? And different things like that. Give me an example. Um, well, I guess, uh, talking about, we're going to bring Steve in, but his character wouldn't do that and just leave it like that. She would then come back and ask, why wouldn't his character do that? And she would want explanation for each and every decision. If you said, well, like, especially Cornette, you know, Cornette, God damn, he's a heel. He wouldn't do that. Um, she'd want to know why a heel wouldn't do that. So she, she was she interested in learning the psychology of wrestling. Yes. And sometimes it's not as easy to explain. It's just a feel. And I think that that kind of frustrated her sometimes as well, but it was, she was just very inquisitive and always asking questions. <laughs> let's, uh, let's keep it going here and talk a little bit about the inferno match. On raw. Yeah. An inferno match, not on pay-per-view, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago, but an inferno match on raw. Of course, Taker gets the victory. Kane is a member of the corporation for those of you who are trying to keep track at home. And this leads to the, I guess, infamous burning of the teddy bear. Oh my God. No, the horror. 
chat me up about Stephanie. This is really going to be Stephanie's foray into television. We know she's going to go on to become quite a great television performer, much like her dad. Uh, years later, people are going to say she might be the best heel on TV, just like her dad, a generation before, but it, in this era, obviously, you know, you're letting Shane do more and more a couple of years from now, hell, we're going to be throwing Shane through glass with an Olympic gold medalist. But with Stephanie getting involved in the business, do you remember there being pushback or hesitation from either Vince or Linda? No, I don't. Um, I don't know behind the scenes if, if Linda was hesitant or not. Never really uh, talked to her about it. But as far as Stephanie goes, it was – she was there. She was learning the business. Uh, Steph was coming around. So I don't think that anybody doubted – you know, it's it's in the blood. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, the, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And – there really wasn't much doubt that that Seth was going to pull it off. There really wasn't, and I know that sounds weird because um, she was greener goose shit. But it was—I don't know. She had it. Talk to me a little bit about uh, who would have been pushing for that. I think there's the story that someone backstage says, "Well, look at her. She's beautiful. We got to put her on TV." Who was that that pushes for? Is it Russo? Is it Hayes? As the legend goes, who was the person who really said, you got to put Stephanie on TV? The first person that said it out loud that really was Jim Cornette. Oh, there you go. Excellent. Um, you know, Corny would ask the question, what, why in the hell isn't she on TV? Right. So, you know, from that vantage point and from kind of introducing that, it, there was also the the feeling of, you know, you're, you're a bit trepidatious of going too far and say, hey, why don't we put Shane on? Why don't we put Stephanie on to, to her father? Right. Um, you know, you, you don't know whether or not he he wants that and or anything else. So it was a bit tricky, but, but at the same time, you know, you, you look at it and it's a good story. So why not? Let's, uh, did she have any, uh, trepidation about doing it? I mean, it feels like, you know, and this isn't fair and I'm not saying it should be this way, but I think you can be honest and admit that sometimes there's a double standard. Like you would let your son Kane go do stuff that if your daughter Amber pitched it, he'd be like, hell no, you're not doing that. But that's not popular and that's not polite, but it's just the way dads think, right? We're all protective of our little girls. Do you think that Vince had any of that? Or perhaps Stephanie had any of that of, I don't want to be a public figure. I don't want to be on TV. I mean, being a public figure on TV like this and being involved in the wrestling business comes with a certain amount of stuff you kind of got to deal with, right? Yeah. I think that maybe internally they experienced that, not externally. Okay. Um, I don't know that that was really ever brought up, uh, at least to us from a hesitation standpoint, if that makes any sense. It, it just, it was like, let's do this. It makes sense. It's real. People can relate to it. Everybody has a mother and father. 
Um, family's easy, easy to write about. Family is easy because everyone can identify good, bad, or indifferent. So let's talk about what's next for the undertaker. Uh, he's going to get arrested when he's attempting to sacrifice someone. But of course, as the handcuffs are put on, he lights the taker symbol on fire. You guys are having a lot of fun. This feels like we we veered out of, this is just Vince Russo's idea to now Bruce is loving the magic. You've told us before you love that Papa Shango bullshit. What do you mean? Bullshit. What? I need more ooze. I mean, you love that the voodoo doll and all those concepts we've talked about. I, I think it's super creative and super funny, but I'm just saying, I know what gets you going and, yeah. and this sort of supernatural stuff you would love. Well, and a lot of, a lot of this is, is coming from Taker's head as well. And, and Russo's head. I think that, you know, it was a collaborative effort of, Let's get out there with this. You had eyeballs on it. It was unique. It was different. And damn, it was it was controversial too. Because people are looking at it and the, here's your your stalwart favorite in The Undertaker. That man, that's my guy. I love The Undertaker. He's so cool. Well, now it's he's evil and he's doing things to people that I that I like and that I care about, you know, as we get into to Stone Cold and so on and so forth. But then you're conflicted when he's doing shit with the McMahons. Right. Because I don't like Vince, but here's this innocent young lady that, well, she seems like a sweet young lady. Why would he do that to her? Right. So it was, it was really messing with people's emotions. And, and I thought, thought it was very well done. The angle eventually leads to test versus Shane McMahon in a lover or leaver match at SummerSlam 99, where if test wins, Shane has to stop trying to break them up. And if Shane wins test and Stephanie have to break up, boy, this is good stuff. Yeah, bro. It's logical. If the brother doesn't want to, then they got to break. It was the convoluted storytelling of the time. So everything had to have a story. And if it didn't have a story, you make one up and just make it kind of forced in there. Didn't say it was good. Yeah. Well, it wasn't test wins. That's something said a lot back then. And Stephanie comes running to the ring to celebrate with him. And then on August 23rd, that edition of Monday night, raw. Test gets down on his knees and asked Stephanie, Stephanie McMahon to marry him. And she said she needed more time, but she loved him. And a few days later on SmackDown, he does it again. And this time she accepts. Talk That's me, a whirlwind romance right there by guy. <laughs> talk me through this. <laughs> I don't, you know, I know that he sort of gets a bad rap sometimes I think for crash TV, but. SummerSlam 99 happened on August 22nd. The very next day after he wins the lover or lever, he proposes. And a couple of days later on SmackDown, she accepts. Why rush the proposal? And why not just accept the first time instead of delaying it? God damn it. Drama. Will she or won't she? Uh, 
Yeah, I can't answer that one. I, that was my bitch with everything in the in the late '90s was that we took things that could have gone on for six months and did them in six minutes. It was wait a minute. They just started allegedly. They just started dating, and and now we haven't we haven't even seen a relationship really of any kind, and now he's asking her to marry him. You know, I mean, if anybody's a gold digger there, you're looking at tests and going, what a bitch. So it, it was rushed, definitely, and it didn't make a whole lot of sense, but it was also one of those things that, yep, we did it, folks. As if that wasn't enough, you guys announced that the wedding is going to take place on October 11th at the Georgia Dome, because why the fuck wouldn't they get married on Monday night? Like... I know everybody I know got married on Monday night on TV, right? I'm a little shocked that you didn't do it. Uh, when I looked at your thing and said, October 13th, wait a minute. That's a Saturday. You got to get married either on a Sunday or a Monday. Very confusing to me, Conrad, your whole wedding thing. Well, nobody ran in. Nobody cried. There was no drama. Well, hang on. Nobody went in the pool. You said nobody cried, but you know, that's not true. Oh, that's right. Rick. Well, Rick was crying when he got there. <laughs> like Rick, Rick showed up <laughs> and was crying for fuck's sake. Rick left because we ran out of tissue. <laughs> Chat me up here. You're hot shotting the wedding too. Did you guys already know when you have the proposal? And then you plan the wedding and you announce that the wedding is going to happen. Did you already know what the end game was or at this point, or are we just, we're going to get there and figure it out, pal. Well, I think uh, again, there's two different opinions here. One is Russo said he had an idea of what he wanted to do. And then Vince McMahon's idea was he just wanted to get it over with. And Vince wasn't buying test. He, he didn't like it. Um, he, agreed to it to see what would happen. But then he saw it and did it and changed his mind. So he's the boss. He gets to change his mind. And from Vince McMahon's point of view, it was, I want to get this over with and, and be done with it. And we got to move on and, and change it up a little bit. Oh man. All right. Well, the angle eventually leads to test versus Shane McMahon in a lover or lever match. At SummerSlam 99, where if Test wins, Shane has to stop trying to break them up. <sighs> and if Shane wins, Test and Stephanie have to break up. Boy, this is good stuff. Yeah, bro. It's logical. If the brother doesn't want to, then they got to break. Uh, it was the convoluted storytelling of the time. So everything had to have a story. And if it didn't have a story, you make one up and just make it kind of forced in there. Didn't say it was good. Yeah. Well, it wasn't test wins. Not something said a lot back then. And Stephanie comes running to the ring to celebrate with him. And then on August 23rd, that edition of Monday night raw test gets down on his knees and asks Stephanie, Stephanie McMahon to marry him. And she said she needed more time, but she loved him. And a few days later on SmackDown, he does it again. And this time she accepts. Talk That's me a whirlwind romance right there, my guy. <laughs> talk me through this. <laughs> I don't, you know, I know that 
he sort of gets a bad rap sometimes I think for crash TV, but SummerSlam 99 happened on August 22nd. The very next day after he wins the lover or lever, he proposes and a couple of days later on SmackDown, she accepts why rush the proposal and why not just accept the first time instead of delaying it? God damn it. Drama. Will she or won't she? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't answer that one. I, that was my bitch with everything in the, in the late nineties was that we took things that could have gone on for six months and did them in six minutes. It was, wait a minute. They just started. Allegedly, they just started dating. And, and now we haven't, we haven't even seen a relationship really of any kind. And now he's asking her to marry him. You know, I mean, if anybody's a gold digger there, you're looking at tests and going, what a bitch. So it, it was rushed definitely. And it didn't make a whole lot of sense, but it was also one of those things that, yep, we did it folks. As if that wasn't enough. You guys announced that the wedding is going to take place on October 11th at the Georgia dome, because why the fuck wouldn't they get married on Monday night? Like I know everybody I know got married on Monday night on TV, right? I'm a little shocked that you didn't do it. Uh, when I looked at your thing and said, October 13th, wait a minute. That's a Saturday. You got to get married either on a Sunday or a Monday. Very confusing to me, Conrad, your whole wedding thing. Well, Nobody ran in. Nobody cried. There was no drama. Well, hang on. Nobody went in the pool. You said nobody cried, but you know, that's not true. Oh, that's right. Rick. Well, Rick was crying when he got there. <laughs> like Rick, Rick showed up and was crying for fuck's sake. Rick left because we ran out of tissue. <laughs> Chat me up here. You're hot shotting the wedding too. Did you guys already know when you have the proposal and then you plan the wedding and you announce that the wedding is going to happen. Did you already know what the end game was or at this point, or are we just, we're going to get there and figure it out, pal. Well, I think uh, again, there's two different opinions here. One is Russo said he had an idea of what he wanted to do. And then Vince McMahon's idea was he just wanted to get it over with. And Vince wasn't buying test. He, he didn't like it. Um, he agreed to it to see what would happen, but then he saw it and did it and changed his mind. So he's the boss. He gets to change his mind. And from Vince McMahon's point of view, it was, I want to get this over with and, and be done with it. And we got to move on and, and change it up a little bit. Oh man. Well, on September 27th, you guys asked Stephanie and Tess to go shopping for wedding tuxes, but Tess seems a little bored. Uh, he wants to shop for lingerie instead. Well, when you went shopping for wedding dresses or in tuxes, did you, were you bored? No. Okay. Well, Tess was. Yeah. I don't know. It just. That part, that part doesn't feel as much like Vince Russo. It feels more like Stephanie. God damn it. He wants to see those puppies. Get my daughter in some lingerie stat. Oh, 
What the hell? He's holding up that one of those goddamn butt floss things. That's just nasty. What the fuck? There's nothing covering the behind. I need coverage. I don't thongs think. disgusting, Vince. Are you serious? Yeah. Well, why did you guys get so many thong shots? Oh, Kevin Dunn liked it. I think everybody liked it. Well, yeah, except Vince, but. Yeah, it goes up in there. God, yeah. Is Vince a dookie on there? Uh, if there's dookie on there, he's dating the wrong kind of girl. Man, I just love talking to you guys about chilly sleep. I am sleeping better than ever, and I know I'm enjoying a better quality of life, all because I get a good night's sleep. I got to give you guys a peek behind the curtain a few years ago. Pre-chilly sleep, I was sleeping like five maybe six, sometimes seven, but very rarely seven hours a night. But that wasn't even continuous sleep. I was fussing with the covers, fighting with the pillows. I was up and down, tossing and turning. I was trying to get comfortable. I had a ceiling fan in my bedroom. I would crank down that AC. I would kick a leg out from underneath the covers. I was doing whatever I could to not be hot because I knew I slept better when I was cool. Well, it turns out I was right. Science tells us the best way to achieve and maintain consistent deep sleep is by lowering our core body temperature. You see, temperature-controlled sleep prepares your muscles after a hard day's work, and it improves your cognitive function so you always start your day feeling sharp and alert. Now, Sleep Me is the new home for Chili Sleep. Sleep Me is bringing you the same great sleep that Chili Sleep offered, but under a new name. Chili Sleep makes the coldest and most comfortable sleep systems available. They create the environment that meets your body's natural need for lower core temperatures, promoting deep, more restorative sleep. Chili Sleep makes the Uller, the Cube, and the Doc Pro sleep system. All three are water-based, temperature-controlled mattress toppers. Let me explain. They fit over your existing mattress, and they provide you your ideal sleep temperature. These mattress pads keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep sleep, cold sleep. You see, Sleep Me is designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and give you the confidence and energy to power through your day. I'm jealous of this. I've got the Uller, but they just launched the brand new Doc Pro Sleep System. I can't wait to try it. It has two times more cold power than their other models. It's whisper quiet, and it has a tubeless mattress pad design that allows for five times more cooling contact. Why not pair it with the new Sleep.me app? That's going to give you like, uh, think of it as almost like a smart thermostat for your phone. My wife has her side of the bed automated. She wants to climb into a warm bed but she wants to uh, drop that temperature as she starts to fall asleep so she doesn't get all hot and sweaty and she gets that deep sleep. But then she has her side of the bed automatically set to warm her up, to wake her up. How about that for sleep scheduling? Head on over to sleep.me forward slash wrestle to learn more and save 25% off the purchase of any new Doc Pro, Cube, or Uller sleep system. This offer is available exclusively for something to wrestle with listeners. And it's only for a limited time, y'all. That's sleep, S-L-E-E-P dot M-E slash wrestle to take advantage of our exclusive discounts and wake up feeling refreshed every day. Well, let's talk about something that, uh, was not taken out the November 29th raw pretty famous episode here. This is the episode where Tess and Stephanie were supposed to get married. Uh, DX would come to the ring and triple H would explain how Vince has made this situation personal. And he's threatening to beat McMahon within an inch of his life at Armageddon. And he also says there's not going to be a wedding tonight. And of course that brings out Vince. who says, there's nothing I won't do to protect my family. And he promised that he would have triple H's blood on his hands at Armageddon. 
And as a gift, he gave Tess a match with Triple H. Of course, Tess is going to be his son-in-law at the end of the night. And he says no one would be involved in the wedding, but family, and that he would fire anyone who interfered. And we also see a scene from the previous night's Las Vegas bachelorette party for Stephanie McMahon. Of course, May Young and the fabulous Mueller there wishing the bride well. And we also see Carlos, the electrician, entertain the ladies before May and Mueller take him away. And then we see a guy bring in champagne to Stephanie, which I guess in storyline, this fellow was in cahoots with Triple H. And maybe he uh, put something in her drink. Later in the show, we would see Test beat Triple H, and Vince was wearing a Vince McMahon mask, and he's the referee. And he's totally favoring Triple H. Eventually, as you can imagine, Test is going to come off the top, and Vince is going to fast count him. Triple H tells police that Vince had violated his order, that he couldn't come within 50 feet of him. The cops are going to check on it, but the Stooges, Patterson and Briscoe, say, nope, Vince was in the bathroom the whole time. Just stand right here. You can smell it. It's real life. Uh, after the match, more of the party is shown. And then we see backstage Hunter demanding that Vince be arrested. And as the cops are questioning him, he is of course, denying it all. We see the bridemaids preparing for the wedding. And now it's finally time. Test is here with his entrance music. He's not announced as Andrew Martin. Of course he's test and he's marrying Stephanie McMahon by God. And when they do the old speak now forever, hold your peace bit, triple H comes out surprise and it shows a video of Stephanie passed out and doing the whole quickie wedding drive through chapel in Vegas. It's a little white chapel. It was the same place that I got married and Jim Ross got married and some other guy, Michael Jordan, I think got married there and Britney Spears. I think really. So anyway, right. in this drive through. Triple H as Stephanie is there passed out answers for her and they announce her as man and wife. And then as, as the show is going off the air, triple H says they've consummated the marriage many times. And you see, uh, the Jurassic park face of Stephanie McMahon as she's letting out a big roar, interesting little angle. One of the most famous in raw history. It does really, really well. Uh, Raw gets a 5.98 that night. Nitro gets a 3.04. Really pretty remarkable. What do you remember about this angle? It certainly is one that people are still talking about today. Well, I think it was the, the swerve that no one saw coming with Triple H and Stephanie. So I think that from that vantage point, it worked out great. And Little White Chapel was... I think it's it started out almost is is that rib is that joke is oh goddamn you know have just go through the drive through uh, wedding and um, it's like okay that's cool uh, Jim Ross and I both highly recommended it because it's where we got married and it just became a thing and but I thought it was pulled off beautifully. Um, from especially from the standpoint of the shock factor, no one, no one saw it coming ahead of time. No one knew that we'd gone out to Vegas to go out and do that shit. And to that degree, it, it worked very well. No, it definitely did. And people are still talking about it. So clearly you guys were on to something. Let me ask, what's your favorite 
wedding angle in wrestling history. Hmm. Yeah, do you have one? I would. Yeah, actually, I, I, I have a couple. And that was um, Eric Bischoff on SmackDown Chuck with and Billy. Billy and Chuck. Yep. Because it was just, it, again, no one saw that one coming. And it was completely out of the blue. There was that. And then I also loved the one with, uh, with Kane coming up through the ring with Lita. was another great spot that just... You knew it was going to happen, and it was just so absurd the way it happened. It all worked out well. Uh, Weddings are good. Usually. Usually. Uh, Inside Edition on November 30th is doing a, a feature on this wedding, as if the whole thing is a shoot, which is just tremendous. I mean, Inside Edition is a work. Uh, Get out of here. <laughs> What's going on in their real lives, Triple H and Stephanie here? Um, Stephanie is working with creative and she's shadowing Vince at the time. And triple H is with China. No, no. Talking about real life. What's Stephanie doing in her real life? She was working in the office with Vince and creative. What do I mean? I don't understand what the question does. She have a boyfriend. Is she dating? Is she in a relationship? Uh, yeah, she had a boyfriend. Uh, during this time we're in 1999, she, yeah, she, she had a boyfriend all the way until, um, roughly 2001. Yeah. 2001, because it was the 2000, I got to think parties of, of how I remember, uh, meeting them and stuff, but yeah, she had a boyfriend, best of my knowledge. What do you remember about that boyfriend? What can you tell us about him? Dude, I only met I only met a couple of her boyfriends a couple of times, and and they were all nice guys. The, the last one before Triple H was I think he was a baseball player, um, but just a real quiet, nice guy. And the the other one I think guy she was dating during this time was somebody from high school and somebody she had known for a while. But she always had you know they were always real nice. I didn't think anything of it. Was there ever discussion with Vince about, you know, my daughter will, I mean, you know, we hear a lot of people say things like, you know, my, my kids will never be in the business. I'd never let my son in the business or I won't let my daughter do what I do or whatever. Was there ever any sort of, obviously they followed him into the business here, but is he sort of drawing the line at, uh, God damn it. She's not allowed to date any of the boys or whatever. Yeah. I think that was understood. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know that, uh, that I used to paint pictures to Vince about like the nastiest, most disgusting thing that you could possibly imagine, no matter what it was. Um, you'd see somebody on the street homeless. go, What if she brought that guy home? Um, things like that. But re- you know, wrestler was not even in the equation. I think that Vince made it pretty clear that he didn't want her dating any of the boys. Ladies and gentlemen, today's episode is brought to you by Blue Chew. We're coming to you from the Blue Chew studios and the nights are getting longer, but the breeze isn't the only thing that's getting stiff. Come on, you know the deal. Guys, we all know confidence can take you far in life, but that's especially true in the bedroom when it's time to step up to the plate. And that's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as both Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. 
Take these dudes anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, the process is simple, y'all. You'll sign up at bluechew.com. You'll consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And here's the best part. It's all done online. That means no visits to the doctor's office. That means no awkward conversations. That means no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Bluetooth tablets are made right here in the USA, folks, and they prepare and ship directly to your door, all in a discreet package. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, chew it and do it. Let's have some better sex, shall we? We've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code WRESTLE at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code is WRESTLE to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring today's podcast. And Bruce's winner. We'd like to thank our sponsor today, Titan Nutrition, offering a full line of expertly formulated nutritional products to help you achieve your health and fitness goals. Many of us are planning on moving and working off some of those holiday meals that accumulate around our waist this time of year. And one product that can not only help you burn off those excess calories, but also give you the mental boost you need to move your body is Titan's powdered weight loss formula in light. Check it out. Y'all in light is a great tasting drink that increases your metabolic rate. So you burn more calories in the gym and at rest. It also contains healthy fiber, which is great for gut health and keeps cravings away between meals. While it has plenty of caffeine to substitute your coffee, Inlight also has a nootropic or smart drug complex to help you focus. It also lifts your mood and check this out, even increases your productivity. Inlight comes in six amazing flavors that can be easily mixed and taken on the go. Find it at titannutrition.net and save 10% off. Plus get free shipping and use the promo code WRESTLE at checkout. That's titannutrition.net. Use the promo code WRESTLE to save 10% and get free shipping. That's titannutrition.net, promo code WRESTLE. When does the real-life relationship start to happen? Well, and again, I was talking to somebody today trying to figure out the timeline. Nobody knows the timeline uh, except for... Hunter and Steph. No one really knows the timeline. I can tell you, I can go back the 2000, uh, New Year's 2000. Big party at Vince's house, and Stephanie was there with, with her boyfriend and what have you. Really nice guy, and, and so on and so forth. That went on through WrestleMania uh, 2000 that year. And then you really didn't hear too much about uh, her and her boyfriend at that time. So let's fast forward to January of 2001. And Jerry Briscoe and I have this thing that we used to sit back and, and you watch people. I'm, I'm a people watcher. I like to just kind of observe things. And we used to see two people hanging out together uh, and catch them on the road sometimes hanging out together and you'd go, Oh boy, that that's going to turn into a couple right there. And we used to have a term for it. It actually was Vince's term. And the first time that I heard Vince use it was when Hunter and China had got together and Vince said, I think he's worked himself into a shoot. So we use the same, same term here. We're, we're watching, uh, everything go on and rehearsals and all this other stuff. 
And they had to kiss on screen and they had to be boyfriend, girl or husband and wife on screen a lot. And go, man, if he's not careful, he's going to work himself into a shoot here. And that was probably January, 2001 that I ever noticed it when I knew it was the first, uh, XFL game. And that's when I knew they were together because it was, uh, something Stephanie had said to me about something I had said to triple H and it was just weird how she defended it. And I, I thought, okay, they're together because she wouldn't defend it like that. If it just, it was, a uh, just intuition, I guess is the best way to describe it. This mother's day and father's day, look no further for the perfect gift than paintyourlife.com. It's worked for me every time. And when I say every time, I mean it. I've used paintyourlife.com to bring tears to the eyes of my mom, my dad, even my father-in-law. And right now I'm ordering one for my mother-in-law all from paintyourlife.com. My mother-in-law's life is her dog, Missy. And this year, my wife and I knew exactly what to get my mother-in-law for mother's day, a painting of Missy. It really is that simple too. All we needed was a, a picture from our phone. Boom. We're up and running. You see, paintyourlife.com can really create a hand-painted portrait to fit almost any budget. And it's the perfect gift for your mother, your father, or both. I've used it, as I said, on almost every person in my life. I've given these to my wife. I've given it to my cousin, my mom, my dad, my father-in-law. If I'm looking to give a truly meaningful, personable gift, I know the paintyourlife.com has my back. And they're going to make it easy. You can go ahead and start the entire process in less than five minutes. And what's really cool about paintyourlife.com is they can even combine photos. Maybe you want to put two people who never met in one of your favorite vacation spots. You can do that. Just upload the photos. Bam, you're good to go. Maybe grandpa never got to meet his grandson. With paintyourlife.com, that can become a reality. You can put people and places together, even if they've never been there. You pick the artist, you pick the medium. Do you want oil, acrylic, watercolor, charcoal? You can even go ahead and pick out an awesome frame. The whole process to get started, as I said, takes less than five minutes, and you can actually get your painting in as little as two weeks. But you work hand-in-hand -hand with the artist to get every detail perfect. If you're looking to get those waterworks going, to have your mom or your dad tear that paper and just almost be overcome with emotion, that's what I got, and I've never gotten that reaction to a gift card. You can give the most meaningful gift you've ever given at paintyourlife.com. There's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now, as a limited time offer, get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. Now, to get this special offer, just text the word WRESTLE to 87204. That's WRESTLE to 87204. Text WRESTLE to 87204. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. See paintyourlife.com slash terms for details. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. 
least in storyline, it's happening here on the December 6th raw. Stephanie would uh, try to get triple H to sign an annulment. And, uh, he instead wants her to go in the shower with him and the fans in the background are actually cheering triple H on because, uh, he's sort of the face at this point. And this is the, the cool edgy heel here, but that's over. Uh, eventually later in the show, triple H comes down to the ring with some flowers and he's showing with fans and they're all chanting that he's an asshole. And, uh, he chastises them for crapping all over Stephanie when she was pouring her heart out to all of these fans. And he said, they're calling her names like slut. And he says, you know, she's not a slut. I'd never marry a slut. And she comes to him with papers and blames him for the fans ruining what was a great thing and cries for a moment. And, um, he fake cries and calls her out and says, you know, he'll let her have what she wants. Talk me through this whole annulment storyline, because eventually, you know, Vince McMahon's involved. Well, yeah, the, the whole idea was you wanted people to truly believe that she wed against her will <laughs> and she is drugged. And the, you know, the backstory is, is we'll come to find out was one that they're really in cahoots here. Uh, Stephanie and triple H and that she, she actually fell in love with him and so on and so forth. So it, it's all part of a ruse now to basically sucker Vince in. And they're setting up a match here for triple H and Vince McMahon, but there's a restraining order. So Vince can't do anything now. And some of this is really good promo work by triple H, but as we get ready to, to build towards this a few days later on SmackDown test apologizes to Stephanie. Stephanie gives him back the ring. They both cried and they're about to kiss when triple H has X-Pac do a run in. And at the Armageddon pay-per-view, it finally happens. Triple H and Vince McMahon wrestle. And at the end of the match, triple H gets a pipe, but then puts the pipe down and grabs the sledgehammer. There's a couple of low blows back and forth. Eventually Stephanie's in there and triple H is teasing that he's going to hit Stephanie with the sledgehammer. But then he drops the sledgehammer and then they hug and kiss to end the show. And what do you know? It looks like Stephanie, who's been portrayed as this damsel in distress, the good girl for all these months is now making a heel turn. This is all Vince and triple H doing this. Yep. Ship off the old block. God damn it. She's a natural heel. It's worth mentioning the next night. Raw crushes in the ratings. So even though we're sort of poking fun at this, man, it was over here. Overall, Raw is going to double Nitro in every head-to-head quarter except the main event, doing a 6.1 rating. Nitro is going to fall to a 2.82 rating. So it's incredible. On that show, Vince is in the ring calling out Triple H and calling him a rapist and a coward. Triple H's music hits, but instead, it's Stephanie wearing leather pants. And she talks about bashing the, his brains in with a sledgehammer. And, uh, she says, like it or not, we're married. And it's always been about Vince, even at the expense of his own family. And she loved Andrew, but did not want to get married. Fans start to call her a bitch. And she says, she's not daddy's little girl anymore. She's going to do things her way. And it feels damn good. She says she used to get butterflies when triple H would look at her. And she didn't mean for it to happen, but it did. 
And she liked how he stood up to Vince and made business personal. And she reminded Vince that he allowed her to be abducted. And she talked about how she was sacrificed simply so he could screw Austin. And what goes around comes around. And the best way to get back at dear old dad is to marry the man he hates the most. That's what really turns her on. And Vince looks ill. Uh, Triple H and Stephanie kiss. And I got to say pretty good finish to the storyline here. Is it not? Yeah, I thought it was great. And it was, again, it was a reaction to the crowd reactions already. The audience wasn't buying Steph (laughs) at this point. And Hunter was doing things that were cool. So they were getting into that and they liked that he had, gotten the girl and the whole shit with Vince, they weren't buying as a baby face. And so her turning heel made sense and they loved to boo her. They still love to boo her. She's a natural heel. How would, how would uh Cornette describe her? She's a heel motherfucker. <laughs> God damn. Fucker. She's a heel. Okay. Time out. What does it say about how great Michael Hayes is at what he does and how much Vince appreciates him when you consider the stories about him almost pissing on Linda, the airplane ride from hell, Stephanie's wedding, just on and on and on. The guy is a wrestling genius. What other explanation would there be to put up with such crazy behavior? Even one of those stories would get you cut, right? You would think. I mean, think about all the silly stuff that's happened in WWE in the last 30 years that we heard resulted in a firing or a dismissal. Nobody almost pissed on Linda. It just goes to show you that Michael Hayes is a lovable dude. Now we know that because we know him in real life, but we can't convey that enough. But not only is he a likable dude and easy to love, but my God, he must be a wrestling genius for Vince McMahon to do this. We all know how quirky Vince is and for him to sort of turn a blind eye, if you will, or just keep him under his employ. God bless you, Michael Hayes. We love you, but apparently not as much as Vince does. Let's get back to it. Something to wrestle with, uh, Michael Hayes. Well, they were free at, uh, the wedding, the famous Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Stephanie McMahon wedding, uh, a pretty famous story here. Maybe he was, uh, Overserved a little bit. Wade Keller would write, Michael Hayes made a spectacle of himself at the wedding of Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. An attendee paraphrased Hayes' drunken wedding reception antics. First, Hayes got on stage and performed Jailhouse Rock with the wedding band, and his performance drew a few uncomfortable chuckles and was considered out of place by many of those in attendance. Wrong. That was fucking on fire and was one of the highlights of the wedding. The, the Jailhouse Rock performance was off the chart great where michael's lost everyone was when he took the stage again later that night in order to perform another song this time the band refused which led hayes to berate them hayes decided to sing without the band supporting him and based on one reception attendee's account hayes said something along these lines this song goes out to stephanie and hunter fuck i mean stephanie and paul the billion dollar princess and the million dollar talent he starts singing a song, encourages everyone to uh, join in, and specifically Kurt Angle speaks up and says that you're making a fool out of yourself. And eventually Linda takes the stage, snatches the mic away from Hayes, and says, thank you, Michael, in the most sarcastic manner. 
It was described to the torch as low class and low brow, everything Vince McMahon doesn't want to be. Allegedly, Triple H was pissed off by Hayes' antics, as were a number of guests. Nobody wanted to throw the first punch and mess up the wedding, but he had one coming, said one observer. You were there. What did you think of the, uh, the encore performance by Mr. Hayes? Highly entertaining. Uh, you know, he might have had a little too much to drink, but he, like I said, the f- first performance, he tore the house down. And I don't think anybody was disappointed by that one. That one was absolutely great. Then when he went on to sing a song that no one knew what he was trying to sing, and there was there might have been a f word in there, and, but that was absolutely classic. And when Kurt went up to say, "Hey, Michael, why don't you come on? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Shoot on me?" And that's when Linda intervened and just took the microphone and um, thanked him very much. And Michael went, "I think I'm gonna go to bed now, dude, dude, dude. I'm sleepy and tired. I think I need to go to bed." I got an ideal. How much heat was on Michael after that? I don't, I don't think there was any heat. It was a fun, I mean, it was a fun, really. It was one of those fun moments you had something to talk about. Go ahead and tell the story that Brian Gerwitz told at one of our New York shows a few years ago where Stephanie's pregnant and everybody's sort of talking about you know all the crazy antics that Michael Hayes has had over the years. And Brian raised the question, what would Michael Hayes have to do in order to get fired? And he went through some of these crazy antics where he almost peed on Linda. He maybe showed out a little bit, had a little too much to drink, overindulged at the wedding. And he, he sort of, Brian made up a song, maybe a Beyonce song. I think Beyonce's was All the Single Ladies, and Michael Hayes had a different one. Little stupid baby, something like that. <laughs> Oh, you little stupid baby. Yeah, it was. The idea being, if you, I'm going to jog your memory here a little bit. Brian said, <laughs> he would do an impression of Michael Hayes. And he would say, that baby don't know shit. <laughs> stupid fucking baby. Can't walk and talk. Who'd that baby ever beat? Yeah. That little baby ain't done shit. And then he broke into all, all stupid. stupid babies. You're a stupid baby. Yeah, we had we had fun with that. Talk about Brian and Michael's relationship. Um, Brian Gewertz was the lead writer of Raw, extremely talented. Brian listens to our show, so shout out to Brian. Yeah, well, you just butchered Fuck his him. story, by the way. I know I did. I, I teed it up as good I, as I could. Yeah, but you know what? It's just come to a show sometime. Well, I guess we're out of shows. Yeah, so. well, you know, oh, it well. happens. But uh, no, they had Brian was Raw and. Michael Smackdown, dude, dude, dude. So it was kind of a love-hate relationship, and it was it was one of those that uh, Michael being from the South, Brian being from New York City, it was a bit of a culture clash as well. And they just had they had a lot of they had a lot of fun together. But I, I, there was a ton of mutual respect for one another. But it was fun to listen to the interaction. Is is Brian learned an awful lot about the South? And Michael learned an awful lot about the North. Hey guys, I'm pumped to brag about a brand new sponsor here on the program and is a personal friend of mine for many, many years. 
I'm talking to you about CamperMax, specializing in max discounted pricing on travel trailers and fifth wheel RVs that can be delivered anywhere in the lower 48. That's right, from your office, your cell phone, or your couch. Click or call and find out how easy it is to start enjoying that RVing lifestyle. Now, how easy is it? Well, the Camper Max discount will fit any budget, offering easy financing with extended terms. It's just too easy, thanks to my pal, Rod Wagner. I've been personal friends with Rod for a long, long time, and he is now opening up to the entire lower 48. So if you're here in the United States and you're thinking about buying a travel trailer, you're thinking about buying a fifth wheel RV, or maybe you're thinking of selling yours, visit my buddy Rod at CamperMax.com. That's C-A-M-P-E-R-M-A-X-X.com. CamperMax.com. That's Max with two X's. Or give him a call, 256-320-7033. Either way, let the folks at Camper Max know that Conrad sent you and they're going to give you that friend of a friend hookup that I've enjoyed for oh so many years. Camper Max is the home of the Max discount. That's CamperMax.com. CamperMAXX.com. By the way, if you're looking to purchase a motorhome, hang in there. My buddy Rod is working on that now. It's all going down at CamperMax.com. Let's get out there. Let's enjoy 2023. This could be one heck of a new year. Thanks to CamperMax.com or 256-320-7033 and let them know that Conrad sent you. Yeah. Since we've mentioned Stephanie a few times, I guess I should mention that around this same time she appeared on Howard Stern show. Uh, do you remember this appearance, Bruce? I don't. Well, uh, she shows up and, um, she talks about everything you would imagine that she might talk about, including her relationship with China and how her and Triple H got together. We'll cover that at, at some point in the future. But since we're talking about her husband banging corpses, I guess we should mention here that on the show, um, she admits that she may need additional enhancement surgery on her breasts because uh, she says, I lost a lot of weight and they shrank to two melted packs of butter. And she describes exactly what type of implant she would like instead. And then she says that her sex life with Triple H produces, quote, the best sex I've ever had. And even says triple H bangs me hard when I like it hard, but I like a variation. Um, she also talks about how they shave themselves when this comes out, you know, it just feels like this is not a CEO of a billion dollar company's daughter. And this is not something she's saying in public. And this is not, you know, someone in Trump's cabinet's daughter, this is a much different, much more edgy man. Let's let it all hang out. We are the WWE and we have attitude era. Is it not? It was the attitude era and it was, you know, coming off the heels of, you know, Vince had done a article, a interview in playboy and had the same kind of sentiment. And I think that it was more along the lines of Stephanie and her character at that time and trying to be edgy sure. and getting out there. You know, I think that's something a lot of people are going to hear and maybe just gloss over but you're going to say much like Hulk Hogan said on the stand that that was the Stephanie McMahon character, not real life. Stephanie answering those questions, right? That's what I'd imagine. I never heard the interview, but that's what I'd imagine. Yeah. I'd imagine her being edgy and trying to get out there and create controversy and get people talking. Well, they were talking after that. I mean, that was all over the message boards and it's all anybody was talking about. And it was just interesting that, that conversation is happening not too far removed from Katie Vick. And it feels like for the first time, uh, we're getting way, way edgy, even in the McMahon circle. 
Uh, Wade Keller is going to have a report about John Laurinaitis. He would write his current good standing with Stephanie is quote, Steph still sees John as the golden boy. Whereas Vince sees through it. It might be because John was never around before Steph was a boss. So he treats her with respect. Whereas others still see her as daddy's girl on a high horse. You know, that's something that you've talked about a little bit, uh, in, in older episodes that it was a challenge for some of the office personnel, perhaps yourself included once upon a time when you knew her as the little girl that you used to, you know, see over at the McMahon compound. And now she's a, she's a player. What was her relationship like with John Laurinaitis in this era? And, uh, what can you tell us about Stephanie sort of coming into her own as an executive in the company? Well, I think that, you know, John was new and John didn't, you know, hadn't had that relationship before. So John coming in, John was just doing his job. And again, it was the most thankless job in the company right? Um, in talent relations. Everything falls on you and everything's your fault. Um, so John was just doing his job. And a lot of that was dealing with Steph and the creative at that time. But again, you look at uh, everything that Steph has done, and especially now, it's it was all new then it was all, it was all brand new. And like anything else, people would sit back and go, Oh my God, you know, they don't understand. You got to earn your stripes. You're new. You're four years old. You're, you're four years in the company. Well, a part of that is true. You forget about the other 25 years living <laughs> the life of the company and being surrounded by it her entire life. So, so for someone with, let's say, you know, eight to 10 year veteran in the company and this kid comes in that, um, oh, they're only there because they're in the family. They forget about the experience and the education that they received at the foot of the people making those decisions for their entire life and how all those decisions affected their entire life. So I'll take those, that experience over the, the Harvard graduate any day of the week. Um, and that's just, that's just life. I think that that's human nature and how people look at things sometimes without the realistic look of, okay, well maybe, maybe give them a chance and, just because they're young doesn't mean they're stupid. I'm glad you mentioned uh, Stephanie because Stephanie went on record as saying that Paul was the first writer that she ever had to suspend without pay. And she says it was because Paul was behaving like a child. What's the backstory on all this? What can you tell us about the suspension? <laughs> well, I don't think he was suspended without pay. Now, she may have said that, but I don't think he was suspended without pay. Okay. Paul had a habit of trying to get young disciples around him. Paul always liked to have a step and fetch it. He, he liked to have young boys that would do his bidding, go get him his, his laundry and go get him his Kung Pao chicken, extra pow, easy on the peanuts, make them salted extra chicken, sir. And... Paul would uh, just recruit. So anytime that a new writer would come in or a writer's assistant would come in, Paul would 
take them under his wing. I will show you the way, my good man. And there was one in particular uh, by the name of uh, Dominic that he was a nice young guy, but a little goofy. But Paul had chosen Dominic as his new disciple. And Paul had gotten up and, and kind of grandstanded in the writer's room about this young man is trying hard and he wants to go out and he wants to prove himself. So I would like for everyone to listen to his ideas with a full heart and give him an opportunity to contribute to this team. So whatever Dominic does, I want everyone to give him his attention and, and, and listen. Now, Dominic, you had an idea. Please pitch it to the room. And this was at a time when everybody had kind of started seeing through some of Paul's stuff, and, and Paul wasn't the most popular guy in the room. And Dominic made a pitch for a women's match in which the women would be stripped down completely naked in the ring. And everybody's like, okay, Dom, then what? What do you do? Well... Uh, no, 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 Dominic. What, what do you do? I mean, they're 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 naked. What? You, you can't have naked women. Nah, man, they got nip covers. And when he said nip covers, that just everybody in the room blew a gasket, especially Brian Gewertz. Well, Heyman took this situation and, of course, blows up, starts cutting a promo on. Uh, Brian for disrespecting Dominic and disrespecting these young writers who are trying to be a part of this team and trying to pitch ideas, but yet you make fun of them. And Brian fired back on Paul. And when they did, it was kind of like two uh, umpires or, or an umpire and a, and a ball, uh, ball player when they bump chess. And they come across the room at each other and kind of bump chess and, and I wasn't really paying attention at this point to the argument because it was silly at best. But when they bumped chess, there was one of the writers in the room, a guy named Pete Doyle. And Pete jumps up, and Pete gets in between them and is holding them back. And like, hey, calm down, calm down. And, it, and it, I thought it was a pinch fight. It looked like two girls in a pinch fight. So they got separated and... and uh, <coughs> Somehow Stephanie found out about it, and they get called into Stephanie's office and reprimanded. And the part that and they they were both suspended, okay. But the part that pissed me off more than anything was I was supposed to go home that day, and I was supposed to go home on like a three o'clock flight, and I was told I couldn't go home until Stephanie met with the team. So I had to catch an earlier, I mean, a later flight to have Stephanie come into the room to tell us that Paul and Brian were going to be sent home for three weeks and that we were to have no contact with them. And in the all-time classic Michael Hayes line to this day, the best, and this is partly where we get the doot, doot, doot from, Michael blurts out, but he didn't do it. He did it, pointing at Heyman. 
He started it, Stephanie. Do, do, do. My goodness. And the whole room was like, here, it was like you were in third grade. And he started the fight. So, yeah, they, they got to go home. And still get, they still got paid. I'm sure they still got paid. They got paid and, and got to go home and didn't have to do shit. Is this around the same time that the phone call story happens, the conference call story? The conference call story happened during during the suspension time. And Paul was the phone call story, folks, for those of you who don't know what the hell we're talking about. We would have conference calls over the weekend where you would dial into a number and then you had a code, you dial into the code, and everybody gets on a conference call. So when you get on the call, you had to announce your name. So it would say, Bruce has just joined the conference. Conrad has just joined the conference. Vince has just joined the conference. When you would drop off and you would hang up, it would tell you, Bruce has left the conference. Conrad has left the conference. So we're having a conference call on this Saturday. This is during time that Paul was suspended from the company. And we used the same conference call number because it was only us that had that number. And we're in the middle of a creative meeting, and all of a sudden we hear a burp has left the conference. There was no name. Mm. So then it says, roll call. Who's here? Who was that? Who dropped off? Roll call. Everybody, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Everyone was there. But someone had been on and had left the conference. The other thing about those conference calls is when you dial in, it logs your number, where you're calling from. Mm. The call came from a Scarsdale residence that was traced back to um, last name Heyman. <laughs> it was mom and dad's house. Correct, Amundo. That's amazing. And Paul denied it. Paul Paul denied it for the longest time. And I, I just told recently that he was like, ah, oh, yeah, I was on. What did that sound like when he was uh, denying it? I was not on the phone, sir. It was not me. That's Paul, it, it got traced back to your parents' house. It was not me, sir. But, but Paul, I, there, it, it went back to your parents' house. Not it. Well, let's talk about why Paul was removed. Stephanie has said that Paul wasn't effective on the writing team for whatever reason. And, and I find that hard to believe. But Paul has said that, you know, he wasn't maybe mature enough to be in that environment at the time. I, I guess, you know, he could be pretty vocal and pretty opinionated and, and had a hard time, I guess the right word is assimilating can you speak to why he, you think he was removed and, and why Stephanie would go so far as to say he wasn't effective? Yeah, because Paul had everybody else doing the work for him. Paul would, like, shoot out ideas and talk about, you know, the big picture and then kind of pawn it off to Dave Lagana or Pants or, or whoever else was working under him at the time and have them come back with a show. And he would push it off so late he didn't meet deadlines he would be late for Vince meetings 
it was a combination of things that Paul was almost begging to get off of the team and begging to just be a talent and not have to worry about writing the show from week to week because writing the show from week to week also came with heat. The boys, if they weren't being used, they're coming back to you and they're saying, hey, why aren't you using me? Why aren't you doing this? So he wasn't, you know, he wasn't being heralded as, as the genius and the savior at this time. And it just wasn't working. And the, the rest of the team members were starting to complain and, and you could see through it. You Stephanie saw through it. You mentioned Lagana and Pants. Have you already talked about Paul's disciples? Yes. Uh, and, and would you list them all, I mean, as being Pants and, and Lagana and Dominic? Yeah, those are the three main ones during his tenure that he had that he really tried to bring bring into the Heyman fold. Describe exactly what that means in your opinion. How did he get these guys on board? Was he just super complimentary to them? Is this kind of reliving the old ECW pre-pay-per-view speeches that we fans have heard about? A lot of it like that, yes, but you also have to remember that these guys were coming in as writer's assistants when they first came in. So their job was to do whatever you know the writers needed them to do. So Paul would, would bring them in and, let's go to Chick-fil-A and come with me. I, I will buy you a chicken sandwich. Um, they made them feel a part of it and would ask them, you know, tell me your uh, – Give me your idea. That is excellent. I am going to use that. You will get full credit, sir. And he just, he was Paul. So, yeah, a lot of the speeches that you've seen on the different things, Paul could be very persuasive and a very charismatic guy. What would you say was Paul's biggest harm to himself? I mean, did he have one big flaw as the head writer? Was there one single thing, or was it just trying to delegate too much? Not knowing when to not knowing when to quit, not knowing when to tap out and be able to move on to the next thing, um, accept a decision and move on, like it or don't like it, just be able to to accept it and move on and make it the best you can. If Paul didn't like an idea, he wouldn't he wouldn't work hard to make it successful. You can probably tell by looking at me, there's one thing you can trust my opinion on, and that's where the good food is. And let me tell you, it's at jimmysfamousseafood.com. And here's what you might not know. A lot of the boys in the WWE and AEW locker room get all of their meal prep done by Jimmy's Famous Seafood in Baltimore. That's real, y'all. If you have never been to the website, you got to go check it out for yourself right now. It's jimmysfamousseafood.com. Maybe you're trying to eat better in the new year. Maybe you're trying to make better, healthier choices. Maybe you're looking to eat more protein and eat less carbs or just watch your caloric intake. Jimmy's Famous Seafood can help you do all of that. But what I loved, especially this past holiday season, buddy, they got the best crab cakes in the world. Now, I've known that for years, which is why I haven't ordered a crab cake, not at Jimmy's in years, because I know I'm going to be disappointed. Seriously, no one will argue Jimmy's has the best crab cakes. They have the best crab balls. They have the best crab soup. They have the best chowders and oysters and signature steaks. You can even get their great desserts and gluten-free items all delivered directly to your door. If you've never done this before, let me explain. Whenever you order high quality food like this, man, what eats you alive is the cost of the shipping because this is fresh seafood, right? You don't want it to take a week to get to you. Uh Uh-oh. So you need it to get to you pretty quickly, right? 
that is costly. But what if, what if it was free? You heard me. You can go to jimmysfamousseafood.com and use our promo code wrestle and get it shipped to you for free. Just make sure you order more than 125 bucks worth and you are good to go. That's it. Jimmy'sFamousSeafood.com is shipping food nationwide. Using the promo code WRESTLE, you'll get it for free. I want to recommend the famous gift box. If you're looking for a gift to give somebody, how about the world's best colossal Maryland crab cakes? Well, you're going to get four of them, and you're going to get two different crab soups, the crab dip, the seafood seasoning, and their signature bay sauce. Maybe you're getting ready for a big Super Bowl party. What about the tailgate bundle? They got two pounds of wings, a full rack of ribs, a pint of crab dip, and the crab cake mix. But maybe my favorite is just creating your own package. Let me also say this. This is not a corporately owned entity. This is a privately held family owned business that's been around for more than four decades. The folks who are running this place now grew up in this building. This was their house and their restaurant. It was a true family business. And now they just continue to expand and get bigger and better every single year. You've probably seen them on TV with Guy Fieri or Bobby Flay, or maybe just the bumpers in and out of Ravens games. These guys are the real deal. They're friends of the show. I've done a ton of shows there. I order food there consistently, and it's because it's the best. Sincerely, Jimmy's Famous Seafood, in my opinion, is the best restaurant in America. I have more fun. I get better food. You're going to love it. And now they'll deliver to you. You don't have to go to Baltimore. They're going to bring it to you at jimmysfamousseafood.com. Just use that promo code, Russell. Stephanie went into labor. Ooh, especially after the last conversation we had the raw after great American bash. So you lose Vince and triple H for raw the very next night. And I'm assuming creative obviously knows that this is going to happen, but there's never a good time when you're fresh off of a pay-per-view to lose two of your top talents like Vince and triple H. But man, I think this is something fans sometimes miss is that sometimes real life gets in the way. So you probably had a raw written that it was heavily featuring triple H and Vince McMahon to just help set up this storyline of the McMahon's versus DX. But now, uh, their chess pieces are off the table because Stephanie's making that baby happen. That's bullshit. They all jump in the plane. They like took off, left us all to go see little raw rose bone. And it hurt. It was crazy. It was fucking crazy. I remember, you know, going to whatever, uh, I forget the, the town we were in. I just remember Michael Hayes and I walk around. Michael looked at me going, I'm in charge. Dude, 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 I'm in charge. And he said, dude, 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 that day. I'm pretty sure he said it that day. Cause he said, dude, 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 I'm in charge. And, and please, whenever people see Michael Hayes today, just look at him and go, oh, dude, 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 you're the dude, 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 man. Please, just for me. I'm begging you. Dude, dude, dude. He does love it. He does love it. No, you know what the thing is? Is he does love it. He does. Yeah. I don't it, know. It's his He's favorite. Dude, 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 man. Uh, Todd Grisham is going to announce on Raw that Stephanie gave birth to a baby girl named Aurora Rose. Who made the call to announce that on Raw? Is that something that. I mean, obviously Vince approved that, right? I mean, there's no way they're just arbitrarily spilling the beans, but is there a discussion to, to not do that and maybe keep it private? Because that is something that other families have chosen over the years. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was Vince's call that, you know, if she has a baby, we can announce it on TV and go from there. 
And that didn't go over real well with Vince. What did he say? Fuck that! Um, To quote him. And and I answered his question, but I also got Steph, and I informed her what happened. Well, it it double backfired because then Vince chewed her out, Mm -hmm. and then chewed me out, and then I get chewed out by both of them at the same time. And I don't know if I could have handled it in a different way. I, I was just put in some really shitty shitty situations i think that because of my relationship with vince over the years that i would speak to him in a way let's see how i phrase this right that i could get away with that other people couldn't speak to him like yeah i could say fuck that anybody else to say that that would be very disrespectful right however i do feel that that steph looked at that that i was disrespecting not only her father but the chairman of the company it's important to mention in all of this, you're doing that as someone who's worked with him for more than 20 years. Correct. And when we say work with, we mean once upon a time, you know, there wasn't a Titan Towers and there wasn't a shareholder meeting and there wasn't 12 pay-per-views a year. And this wasn't a billion dollar company and there weren't two writing staffs. It was three dudes sitting around a pool in Connecticut. Hey, what about this? Exactly. So uh, I had that relationship with Vince. I don't think Vince ever took it as disrespectful. And, but I also, again, hey, devil's advocate, hindsight being twenty twenty, being able to step back and look at it. I can see where Stephanie was right saying, hey, when you say that in front of other people, they don't know your relationship with Vince of 22 plus years. That's a fair criticism. So... When they hear you say it, then then that makes right. Yeah, they feel justified in saying it. Right. So she's right in that regard. I just was set in my ways, an old-timer, crotchety old man that was set in my ways, and here's this young whippersnapper coming in, and she thinks she knows everything because she's the boss's daughter. Um, And I I never really viewed her that way. I viewed her as Steph. I viewed her as very bright. Um, we had differences of opinion all the time. The fact that I had differences of opinion with Vince to me worked. I think I, to Vince, it worked because I didn't share his ideas. I didn't share his point of view on a lot of things. We argued about a lot and could work things out with Steph. If you disagreed with her, I, I think sometimes she took it as being insubordinate, um, and trying to, you know, I don't know. Well, let's run through that because I know a lot of people are going to say that, oh, we're kissing ass or whatever. But also, too, she's kind of in a lose-lose situation, too. I've never been in this situation. I do work with my parents, but I started my company. So in a weird way, my parents work for me, which is an interesting dynamic. But I can imagine in a situation like this, you know, everybody feels like they can just bypass her and that whatever she's thinking about or whatever is important to her, you know, doesn't matter because in the end we can just go over you. You're only here because of your daddy. And so she needs to exert some control every now and again, I'm sure. And she needs to be cognizant of how things look. And so that matters how things look matter more maybe to her than they do to Vince who is without question, I mean, he is the unquestioned, rather, 
you know, alpha and omega of the company and what he says goes, and there's no negotiation in that. And there's no worry about how things look or are perceived, but in her case, she's got to be more mindful of that. Very true. And that that's fair because people look at her as she's only here because of this or that. And we don't have to really, and you better watch out for her and blah, blah, blah. And I'm it's, sure she had to deal with some of that, but, but where people were just dismissive of her talents and just assume that she can contribute nothing simply because her last name was McMahon. So instead of her being smarter and better at this because her last name is McMahon, on some level, she's viewed as being more inept and inadequate because she's only here because she's a McMahon. Not saying that she is. I'm just saying that's certainly a line of thinking. And the flip side of that, too, Shane and I used to look at each other sometimes after some of the ass chewings we used to get. And he would just laugh because we would get the ass chewing 10 times what anybody else would because he knew Shane, you. Yeah, he knew me. Shane was his kid. Stephanie was his kid. So those ass chewings were a thousand times worse than anybody else's. Right because of that comfort level with us. So, yeah, and, and I was on that same plane, so I felt for the kids. I felt for both Shane and Stephanie in that regard. It sucked. So it was it was a no-win, uh, kind of rocking hard place, and I understood the... You know, I understood the decision, man. I, I, I wasn't the most cooperative, and... Hindsight being twenty twenty on dealing with Vince, I don't know how I could have done that differently. I really and truly don't, and I've tried. Um, but maybe I could have dealt with Steph differently, and I, and I think I could have, I think I could have dealt with her a little bit differently and been able to massage that situation better. So here's where uh, it's not cutting time. There's rumor and innuendo out there. And I heard this for the first time two years ago, but people who are listening, not all of them, many of them have heard this. There's rumor and innuendo that, uh, the reason, the real reason you're not there is you pulled a gun on some writers. And I don't know how that got out there. And I don't know exactly the context of which. This is reported and span. It wasn't in any major news releases. The news websites said that they felt like uh, you weren't necessary because Stephanie had kind of stepped into your role. But then there's this groundswell of, well, Bruce pulled a gun on that guy. And some of that comes from a Nova shoot interview with RF Video. Set the record straight. You pull a gun on some dudes? Yeah, Bruce had a gun. Um, It was Hurricane Ike. We left our home in League City, Texas, and I had a gun in the house, and we were told to evacuate, so I took the gun with me. Went up to Athens, Texas, to John Layfield's house with my family. But I had to get to TV, which was in Nashville. I didn't want to leave my wife and kids with a gun in Layfield's house and I was driving. So I took 
the gun with me. While there, I was going to fly back. I was told, well, turn in your, your rental car. I had planned on driving back to uh, Athens, pick up my family, and then go home. But while there, I was told, hey, you know, you, you got a rental car. Just turn the rental car in. We'll fly you home. So I got uh, Bruno Bauer. We were, we were in Nashville, and I got Bruno to get me a – he had a uh, – a gun box with a lock on it. And I asked uh, the head of security, I said, hey, I'm, I've got a gun. i got to get it back on a plane. What do I do? And he says, well, here's what you do. you got to get a box. It's got to be locked. you got to have a, a key, and then you've got to check it. You've got to claim it at baggage, but you have to check it, and you have to fill out all this paperwork. So Bruno knew I had a gun. Uh, security guy knew I had a gun. In addition to that, the last night of the TV. Uh, Did you say the security guy's name? It was Jim Kelly. Okay. Great guy. Real nice guy. Super nice guy. I've had the pleasure of meeting him a few times. Uh, really, really cool guy. Former NFL background. Couldn't be a nicer guy. Yeah, he's, he's cool as shit. Um, so I, I went and some guys asked me to go out that night and I told them that I had to put my gun up in the safe. Uh, people knew I had the gun, and stories kind of go from there. So the, the story gets back that, that Bruce pulled the gun, and that was one thing Stephanie asked me. Um, I told her the story, and we talked about other things, and w we disagreed. And she says, well, I'm going to ask you to leave, and if you don't you know, like that, I mean, basically you, you can leave now. We were in Boston. Well, you're skipping around. Well, we we talked we talked about we talked about a lot of things. We we talked about the the issue with the stuff with Vince that I just went over, and then the, she said, "Then there's this gun issue." She calls a meeting. She calls a meeting in Boston before the Survivor Series. So this is November of two thousand eight. Yes, and you when she calls a meeting, this is during the show, right before the show, right after the show. No, she asked me. No, she asked me to come in early. Okay, in, early before the show. So I came in before anybody got there, and then she asked me. Uh, she asked me about the gun. She asked me if I'd pulled a gun on someone. I said no. And she said we went on, and I'm going to ask you to leave. And I said okay. I got up and left, and it was that cut and dry. From there, and I'm thinking about this, and and. I just thought, God damn, man, this is fucking crazy. And I told her the whole story. I told her the Ike story and going, and she said, I can't believe you brought a gun to work. I said, okay, um, I did. Sorry, fucked up. But a week later was the next time we talked. We asked me. She asked me not to speak to anybody. She Hang on, let me, let me ask this, though. She says, yeah. you brought a gun to work, so you're fired. No, no. she didn't say I was fired. Okay, but no, she didn't. Did she accuse you of pulling the gun on someone? She asked me if I did. And you said no. Yes. And did she say other people said you did? No, she said she would look into it. Okay. She said that she asked me to leave. So I left, and she asked me not to speak to anybody and asked uh, everyone who, not to speak to me. Who else was in the room when this happens? No one. Just me and Seth. 
who's outside. Somebody, it's not just you two guys off in the corner. There's somebody nearby. Oh. No, it's me and Stephanie in the room by ourselves, and Hunter was outside. Okay. Where's Where's Vince? He wasn't there. Did you see Vince at all that day? Nope. When When had you most recently talked to Vince before this meeting? Probably the week before. Had you been on vacation for the two weeks leading up to this? Yes. As a matter of fact, I think I had. The only reason I know that is because it comes out on WrestlingInc.com. Um, as reported earlier, WWE released Bruce Pritchard on Monday. He had been with the company for 22 years, with the exception of a brief time period. He was uh, His firing was a Stephanie McMahon call. As noted last night, Pritchard was not at TV the past two weeks, and people were told he was on vacation. Stephanie had been negative on Pritchard in recent years, as she saw him as Vince McMahon's biggest yes-man. She's buried him in the past, sometimes in front of others at creative meetings, believing he was not paying attention and or not giving and or giving non-committal answers. She made the official call to cut him loose. With Pritchard being a senior member in WWE, he had a large contract that Stephanie could justify cutting, although he often complained about taking a pay cut when he moved from head of talent relations to creative. In the past, he was an important member of the creative team, but not so much in recent months. He had largely lost contact with Vince. He was supposed to attend meetings at WWE's headquarters in Stamford, Connecticut, two weeks every month, but more recently it was more like two days every eight to ten weeks. The creative team was not giving a reason regarding his dismissal from the company. Bruce Pritchard is the brother of Tom Pritchard, who currently works with WWE's developmental talents in Tampa, Florida. Bruce Pritchard has had numerous drug problems in the past, which caused him to miss job promotions in the company as a result he was supposed to land the head of television role head of television role Mm. Uh, producer kevin dunn ended up taking uh since 2004 wwe required pritchard to take urine tests once per week regarding his future it wouldn't be surprising to see pritchard wind up in tna he is close to tna wrestler jeff jarrett since both of their wives have battled cancer Richard was quite upset when Jarrett's wife, Jill, passed away last year as a result of the disease to the point that some people were worried about him. Richard was a major supporter of Undertaker and John Bradshaw Layfield. In fact, Richard is listed as one of the VPs of JBL's company. So let's poke that uh, up right fast. Were you taking drug tests once a week? No, but I did take random drug tests, yeah. Uh, What prompted that? The rumor and innuendo that I took a lot of drugs. Uh, did anybody? So, and and just, to, just to be clear on that, that was actually a suggestion of mine. I said, okay, hang on, guys. If you're going to accuse me of doing drugs and having a drug issue, test me. Fucking test me. So where did – is somebody ratting you out? Is somebody saying they saw you passed out at a hotel or you're – you know, sleep at the wheel or your, Hey man, I had my fair share of of partying. I had my fair share of, of times where I was fucked up, but I wasn't fucked up when I was at work. And again, rumor and innuendo. So when they go, bros, you partying too much. Hey, if you think I'm partying too much, if you think I'm doing drugs, test me and show me one test, one test ever that I've ever failed because you can't, I never have. Ever, I've never been to rehab for drugs, alcohol, anything else, and I've never failed a drug test ever. Uh, and you've never been arrested for drugs. Never been arrested for drugs. 
um, Brother Love got like to smoke weed and drink. True? Oh, yeah. Bruce loved to smoke dope and... <laughs> Fuck, yeah. Anything else? Did you, uh, did you do too many somas once upon a time like so many other wrestlers we've heard in the past? I used to take somas, too, yeah. You take somas, you take painkillers, you take Valium. But I like it, to come down because I'm always up here all the time, so I like to take something to relax. But in your perspective, you never had an issue with any of those prescriptions. Anybody who takes recreational drugs will tell you, no, they never had a problem with any of that. In my in my mind, no, I never did. And no, I never went to rehab. And no, again, I never failed a drug test either. Uh, did you feel like you were ever... And they were all observed, too. Uh, who would look at that wheelie for you? Oh, they would have someone come into the room with you. Who was the hog, to, who, you had, you, who's the hog watcher? No, you had, no, you had to go. You had to go in, and they had like a, a someone from the drug testing. Oh, thing. okay. You had to drop. You had to drop your pants to your knees, and then pee. Pull your shirt up. I kid you not, man. You had to pull your shirt up to your chest, drop your pants, and pee. Um, it says in here that you were supposed to go two weeks every month to Stanford, but. You kind of slacked on that. Is that a fair criticism? Well, especially <laughs> no, that's not a fair criticism. the The funny part about that, and especially at this time, like you talk about my two weeks yeah. before I came back there, I would save up my vacation time, and I would save up my vacation time to take it around the holidays, so that I could kind of skip when we would do those long TVs, and we would do three and four TVs in a row. I would time my vacation so that I would miss the multiple days on the road. Um, so during that, during that vacation time, it would be, oh, you don't need to come in during that, come into the office. So I would lose that extra week in the office where I would be, instead of two weeks, I would only do one week in November and then I would do one week in December. That's all. Uh, and that was only, that was the only time of the year. And Vince, I remember, caught on to it and said god damn pal you and this christmas vacation is getting fucking ridiculous you ever think about taking vacation during the summer like everybody else i said no because everybody else takes it during the summer so i, I want to be home with my family during the holidays let me ask this um as you're kind of talking about shuffling and vacation and stuff like that people on this very podcast network in the past have said that you were lazy was that a perception that comes from your creative vacationing aspect here um uh, no it was probably perceived that i was lazy because i was in houston and they were all in stanford what? so well well they're all in a room having to work in an office i'm at home waiting for them to call me what uh that's pretty good gig what what do you make of the um assertion here that you could have been in Kevin Dunn's spot, but you were that, that is absolutely hilarious because yeah. when I came back in 92, that was when John Filippelli was on his way out and Kevin Dunn had put together the business plan and, and proposal to move him into that spot with, with two other guys. So I was never in consideration to be the executive producer. And that was, always Kevin Dunn post John Filippelli. So I don't know where the hell that one comes from. 
Uh, Nova in his shoot interview and uh, this report here, uh, both uh, attributed to Stephanie, both have a narrative that you were a Vince McMahon yes man. Is that a fair criticism? Absolutely not. And I think if you were asked Vince McMahon that question, he would agree with me and tell me that I was probably the furthest thing from a yes man. I disagreed with him more than anybody. Uh, this says in here, in here, she's buried him in the past, sometimes in front of others at creative team meetings for not paying attention and or giving non-committal answers. Uh, do you remember her trying to embarrass you in a meeting like that? No, I really don't. So that's just somebody freestyling some bullshit? Yeah, I think so. So when you get... Oh, this is worth mentioning. It says that you had kind of fallen out of favor with Vince. Did you go through a period where you and Vince weren't getting along and weren't speaking regular? In the 90s, yes. But not here? No, not at this point, no. So in 2008... We're in November, Survivor Series in Boston. Triple H is outside the door. When you walk out the door after she said, I'm going to ask you to leave, this is before the pay-per-view starts, do you speak to Triple H as you exit the room? I said goodbye, yeah. Is there any sort of uh, thank you or take care? Or Absolutely is it- no, nothing. Um, and you don't speak to anyone else and you just leave? I just left, yep. Walked out the door, got a taxi, went to the airport. Can't believe this is real, but Wu Wings, your very own virtual restaurant concept, is now open and fans can enjoy the legendary flavors and world championship wings by ordering with their Uber Eats or Postmates app. Wu Wings is now open in Nashville, San Antonio, Jacksonville, as well as Huntsville and Tuscaloosa, right here in Alabama. Many more locations coming soon. As a virtual restaurant, Woo Wings is looking to partner with existing restaurants in major metro areas. Tell your favorite sports bar or local restaurant you want Woo Wings in your town. And to visit RickFlairWings.com for more information on how to become a partner. But if you're in Nashville, San Antonio, Jacksonville, Huntsville, or Tuscaloosa, hop on your Uber Eats or Postmates app and look for Woo Wings and try the only chicken wings worthy of hearing the name of the 16-time world heavyweight champion, Woo Wings. Be sure to check out RickFlairWings.com to become a partner. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.